Welcome to Honest Retail, the weekly podcast that dishes out the truth about the latest news, trends, and blunders from the CPG, consumer, and retail industries. Now, here are your hosts, Cameron McCarthy, Taylor Foxman, and Carlton Fowler. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Honest Retail. Excited to be joined, as always, Taylor and CJ. How are you both doing uh, as we kick off the summer here? Doing great, Cam. Uh, just finished uh, kind of like a halfway week off. Um, I, I worked probably, I tried to take the whole week off, worked half days, most days, but like actually unplugged Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. So that was uh, that was awesome. I was up in Tahoe. I turned 40. Uh, I think we talked about it. That's last week, so yeah. Did you do? Did you do anything outside in Tahoe at all? Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, I, I you know had the dog with me, so I'm pretty sure she thought the whole thing was her vacation because, like, <laughs> like for her, pine cones are a combination of ball and stick. Um, so she just like goes nuts for pine cones, um, and they were everywhere. So you know, we we had like ten throwing sessions a day, all, all just chasing pine cones. She find the chicken nuggets. Oh, she, I, I mean, I'm pretty sure she didn't find all of them. Um, so, you know, I'm sure the next person who rents that place will be in for a little bit of surprise. But now, now she really digs the beach because she thinks every beach has chicken nuggets. Nice. <laughs> yeah, my dog is, uh, my dog's like so skittish and hates, like, at least like the beach, but isn't like a huge fan of, of anything now because everyone's chilling. So he's chilling right now as I speak. Taylor, how about you? How's everything going? I'm good. There's a lot of people here. Give me a lot of bit anxiety. Nice to see everyone, but I'm overwhelmed, but good. And the weather's very nice here, actually. It's 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 like pleasant. It's like never pleasant. It's pleasant. So no complaints. How are you? How are you, Cam? We never ask you. How are you, Cam? <laughs> I'm doing well. Like uh, yeah, I never get asked. I'm I'm doing I'm doing very well. I'm heading off to Chicago in a couple hours to get the Katie show. My uh, one of my best buds lives out there, so it'll be fun to see him for a night. And uh, excited, uh, I think there's like 800 brands at the show, so I'm excited to go check that out. Should be uh, should be a good time. So that's where I'm at. June June is like heavy trade show month for some reason, but uh, excited for. Yeah, it. there's so many. There's uh, Discus in Chicago. There's that one. There's uh, Bevnet this week here in New York. There's Dark Convent here in New York. There's just a lot, a lot going on. Yeah, there's fans I don't love over the last few years in New York, um, but we always just go because it's it's just like a very easy um, train ride uh, for me. So, um, all right, cool. Well, let's dive into topics or or actually, sorry, products that uh, caught our attention. For me, uh, we're always looking for like innovative baby food and kid toddler food so that our kids are not like uh, super picky um i know like the big ones out there but uh one that we recently tried is tiny organics and really liked they make like baby burrito bowls and things like that um so i was super stoked about this brand um clean packaging thought it was cool um we used like yummy and another one i can't remember for my last little guy uh but excited to try tiny organics um for this one and hopefully continue to make non-picky eaters um how about you taylor um i saw this company called like four sigmatic i'm gonna meet the guy when he comes into town it's like a mushroom coffee company 
I'm into this whole like mushroom thing, functional mushrooms. And I think we've talked about, I love super mush and I don't know some of those companies that are out there. So it's uh, guys, this seems a bit too healthy for me. It's organic, <laughs> organic coffee with lion's mane and mushrooms with mental focus and energy. I don't know. It just sounds interesting. I'm going to meet with the team when they get here. So they have like instant, it looks like coffee powder, regular coffee, beans. I've never tried mushroom coffee. I don't know if you guys have, but I'm intrigued. The company sounds really cool. So, um, and then they have a line of like coffee products. It says plant-based proteins, wellness supplements, beauty products, and other quote unquote superfood products. So I don't know if you've ever heard of it, but I'm excited to, to try it out and meet the team. So I'm really curious, like, uh, so Forcing Medic's been around for a while, right? Like, as long, like, yeah, like, you know, it's, you know, those big Tim Ferriss podcast push and stuff like that. On these, like, mushroom and alternative coffees, do you guys think that it's going to be a kind of like a breakthrough challenger brand that makes it work? Or is it going to be like, you know, you know, a Starbucks or, or, you know, a, a Pete's or something like else that, that, basically comes up with the right way to talk about coffee plus like how do you guys think that'll shake out i i mean like so i'm always looking for something like in the middle of the day that can give me like non-jitters but give me like a little kick and i, I tried mud <laughs> before it wasn't for me i tried four sigmatic before i did like that product a little bit better i do think there is a place for it um i think mud for me the the questions like or the way with what i was thinking about when Taylor was bringing up was they have been around for a while. I feel like three or four years ago, it was like, oh, this is a rocket ship. This is a midday squares. This is a yellow perf or 11 perfect. Like this is like a really big brand. And it's like, sometimes these brands just reach this chasm or like this plateau. And then it's kind of like, oh yeah, they're still around, but you don't hear about them as much as they did. And I always wonder like, did the growth trajectory stop? Did just my like ecosphere of hearing about it stop? Like, obviously I still see them in retail and I was actually going to ask the question to you, Chris, CJ, about like from the from the investor side of things, do you see like that sometimes where it's like the brand goes from like rapid growth to like, okay, now we're just kind of in nice growth, but this might not be like investable VC growth anymore? Yeah, I mean, all, all the time. And you start to wonder like, hey, does this fit anybody's portfolio from an acquisition standpoint, you know, or or is you know, we're going to have to manage this thing to you know, a ton of free cash flow and go that, you know, go that way. So I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated by that kind of stuff. Cause just as I'm like, I, I sometimes I look at like the Chamberlain coffees of the world and say, Hey, I actually think they're the ones that are going to solve coffee plus because they're building a brand. It has an aesthetic. It's not just like functional, 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 but they, they, they could, they could leg into functional and have the right. Yeah. Plan. Yeah. And, Cause like, you know, I, I think you guys have heard me say time and time again, that I think really functional, uh, you know, stuff can be a a, a false flag where where your your face ripping growth at the beginning is is more of a function of hey, there's a certain percentage of population that is actively looking for this, and when you have better tools like performance marketing to put it in front of them, you grab them very very quickly, um, and that that can give you a sense that oh, actually this well of consumers is extremely deep, and I, and I need to keep going, but it's not. Uh, a very loud minority like and yeah. Like, oh, yeah this feels like really big and you're getting a lot of false signals of like yeah people want this but like once you break into conventional and and club and things like that where the real growth is to be had 
the it, the results don't necessarily translate. Yeah, I, I, I almost feel like there needs to be, a, you know, again, I'm, I'm using Chamberlain as an example here. I actually think there's someone that we're about to announce in our portfolio that can pull this off too, where, where you look at this and say, hey, like this notion of theanine, L-theanine in coffee to cover up the jitters, like you don't want to talk about mushrooms and L-theanine, you want to talk about occasion and need state. And need state is 2 p.m. coffee, I need that energy, but I cannot be jittering, I have to be able to sleep tonight. Um, and, and I, I just don't think that, that brands like four Sigmatic and some of the other like hyper functional ones address the need state. They just address about uh, the, yeah, the functionality of yeah, it. Yeah. A, certain, a certain consumer yeah. that wants, that wants all that information. Um, and I just don't think yeah. that, that gets huge. Yeah. I would say Mudwater probably is doing it the best right now. It's just like, you know, are they going to make our TV? Can they get into retail? Do they want to? I mean, they're their margins are probably awesome online, um, you know, with what that product is, right? And just powder in a bag. But um, yeah, I feel like they kind of took the torch from Four Sigmatic a little bit over the last year or two. But yeah, it's an interesting conversation to have. But I feel like they might be a brand that's just kind of in no man's land right now, um, which is interesting to see how some of those brands get in that bucket after what seems like really public fast growth right out of the gate. Yep. yep. Uh, any, um, any brands that you tried recently, CJ? I have a couple actually, because um, I I actually got to spend some time in grocery stores because I was I was up at Tahoe alone for a while and and I could just go hang out in grocery stores, which is my favorite thing to do. Um, so I saw but did not try the Oatly plant based cream cheese. Just miss me on that. Oh gosh, oh uh, gosh. I um I was in a Target and I definitely got a hold of some of uh, Partake's new graham crackers. Very tasty. Big fan of Denise. Big fan of Partake. Um. It's one of those, you know, I, I think every every investor that should probably have an anti-portfolio um, of things that they wish they invested in partakes definitely on my anti-portfolio, um, but I still take pleasure in their success. But I'm I'm also a big tea guy and, um, and uh, Bigelow just released a peak energy black tea, which kind of goes in what we we're just talking about that also that has like extra caffeine in it. And l theanine. I got enough caffeine that it can like be a coffee replacement, but it's got the L-theanine so that it, it kind of re reduces the jitters. And I'm I'm really interested to see how that goes because I, I you know right to what we're talking about. I think a brand needs to explain need state rather than functional benefits, and they obviously heavy up on the functional here. So I'm I'm curious how it actually sells for them. But as far as a product, it fits my needs very well. Awesome, coming in strong with. Uh... With the new brand highlights, I love it. Yeah. Um, awesome. Well, let's. I know we're. Um, how many times can I say awesome? Um, let's dive into topics because I know we have kind of a shorter episode here with uh, with some of us having to pop off. But I wanted to talk through uh, Partner Slate, which raised four million dollars in funding. Um, they're a marketplace that connects food brands with contract manufacturers. We've seen this marketplace play a lot um, where a company builds out one side of the vertical and the side, you know, it's, they've built out this audience of contract manufacturers and now they need to go sell CPG brands on, on the fact that, Hey, everything you need is in one place. It's really easy to search for it, do the business, and then we'll take a percentage of it. I haven't seen it work well yet. We've, I, I've, I've seen it happen. Like a lot of companies have tried to do this for ingredients recently um and a lot of really good people good companies that i've gotten to know uh where like they just haven't been able to really reach any type of escape velocity 
there. It just seems like there's a way that people go about finding their co-packers, whether that's through referrals um, or, or whatnot. And it's not necessarily through like a marketplace. <clears throat> and so, um, you know, Taylor, we can start with you. Like, I know you obviously consult with a ton of companies. Like, what do you see that process for brands looking for um, co-packers, which is obviously so vital in the early days? And do you think having them all in one central place is, is super valuable? I mean, a lot of people ask for those. I mean, people ask for things all the time. I mean, I'm also of the mind frame. I'm a bit skeptical when there are these companies that are like, we could do it all for you. So I don't typically recommend those, to be honest. Um, I have enough people in my network that uh, are specialists, are contractors, are kind of experts in more of these niche things. I know niche is not like co-packing or anything like that, but I'm just saying in general. So um, personally, like I have just different, whether it's like beer distributors, like we do this or, or independent people that do certain things. I'm always in the mind frame. I like to toss business. The people that are specifically owning like one particular subset, do it well, have good recommendations that, you know, people that refer them to me and I feel confident in those. So I don't know, it just depends. Similar to you, even like with big agencies nowadays, like, you know, some clients will send me a link and they'll be like, what do you think of this company? And they say they do like six or seven things. And I'm just like, I don't know. I'm weary about it first because of the price tag associated. Um, but also because I think that the more, you know, you double down on something and you own it, like, I don't know, like the better you are, in my opinion, more often than not. So I think this makes sense. I, I saw this news actually as well. I thought it was interesting. Um, I would just need to talk to them and learn more, but. I have enough people in my network that I can refer. So I'm not like actively looking for something like this, but generally the model makes sense. Yeah. All good points. Um, CJ, how about you? I mean, first of all, I'm annoyed that I didn't know about this before, which means, you know, my, I, I need to work on making my deal flow better. You should always be working on that, but this is kind of right up our alley with, you know, a, you know, kind of a third of our fund being commerce tech type stuff. And, we have a really deep understanding of the of the co-packing world. So I want to get to know these guys. So if anybody who's listening knows any of these folks, please introduce me. Um and I don't know, this like I, I like marketplaces are awesome. And when and when they actually provide value to everybody in the ecosystem, they're like one of the most efficient business models that exist. I one of the things that kind of interests me here is like co-packing is a little bit like a ladder right you you if if you're within like a certain amount of tolerances on on what it is you're building you're 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 probably going to constantly advance up that ladder until you find one of the largest and and you know you know and and most economies of scale providers within your within your ecosystem um, you know, taking into account like freight and all those other things and, and, and different places of production, depending on the weight of what you're producing, et cetera. That seems like something a marketplace doesn't necessarily serve amazingly because there's, there's a terminal, you know, there's a terminal co-packer for whatever it is you make that you're, that you're wanting to get to, or, or a terminal like oligopoly of cold co-packers. Um, on the flip side, there's, constantly all these new things that come to market that I know are kind of custom making their stuff or trying to find a co-packer who will take the risk on them. And, and I'm, I'm wondering if something like this can be really, really helpful because like time and time again, I see companies that are 
trying to tout vertical in integration of their manufacturing as a good thing. And I'd say maybe seven or eight times that tenant does not become a good thing because it's just such a different business. You're, you're managing machinery, you're managing shift workers, you're managing like, you know, you know, you know, operational schedules that just might not be in the average founding teams, like true, you know, you know, system of capabilities and things that they're like excellent at. So if, if this can kind of help match like all the puzzle pieces together there, it could be really interesting. And then my question would just be like, how, how does, how do you grow? How do you continue to get value out of out of linking a customer with a manufacturer as, as they grow um, in order to have you know lifetime value? Because there's a you know Cam, as you know quite well, there's a really finite universe of brands that can go from the seed stage to A to B to like a really working company that can that that will drive these co-packers, and everybody wants them. So. How does you know you know how does this company extract enough value? How does Partners extract enough value out of making making these connections to have this be a really long term thing? Um, but I think, I think my question is like, is that part of it, right? Because it looks like you can publish projects, and then from those projects, the um, the co actors can bid on it, which is like that's great. I'm sure then there's a fee associated to that. But then like if I'm growing in my business from one project to $5 million a year with that, like as an investor, right, I want partners like to grow with that. And then it's like, but how does that not move off platform, right? Does it do all projects go through there? Are you like managing the co-packer through there? Are you like, are you submitting like all of basically work orders through there? Like it'd be interesting to see because I don't think there'd be any control over that for the life. Well, I mean, I, I imagine that there has to be, you know, in a discussion with this company, like like a, a path afterwards, right? Like it'd be, it'd be like saying, does does we stock only do stocking requests? Like no. Yeah. Um, so I, I assume that that there's something going on here, and I, I and I'd love to learn more. Yeah, and I think the other thing is is the buy-in from the co-packer side. I think a lot of times these third-party distribution um, companies as well. Like you can kind of look at it as similarly like a Mabel or a Tundra or a Fair. Um, the reason sometimes where they'll have a ton of brands and like the retailers will be up there. The thing that they're always working on is how can we increase activity because the retailer isn't necessarily just logging on to all these different platforms, looking for different products and putting together different carts from all these different distributors. They're, they have people from large DSDs and large national distributors coming into their store and basically writing orders for them. That's how it's been done. Like, how do you get the adoption from the retailer side of things? I'd also be very curious about how do you get the retailers from these co-packers who are so used to getting their business from referrals and things like that to log in somewhere on a consistent basis, accept bids and, and use this platform as well. So I think there's an adoption piece of it too, which would be really interesting to understand You know, their strategy around that. You know, that's, that's really like you kind of like, maybe I'm not understanding you correctly, but you think that this might be a really interesting way to get private label significantly more widely distributed. Is that, is that kind of like, and that's, that's kind of a fascinating way to look at this. Like, you know, how does, you know, more and more smaller chains find a co-packer to help them do private label? um would be a really interesting use of this yeah I think there's a ton of different applications here um yeah. sure um i know we have a kind of a limited uh time on this one um but i wanted it we we chatted a little bit 
last week about uh you know one ski in particular Fairlife and like how it's really grown and I and I saw the JD Smucker's earnings and and how they're really doing well and obviously big CPG sometimes is is alien over the last few quarters where JD Smucker's is is kind of crushing it and a lot of it's based off of the incrustable skews and we we talked a little bit about it maybe like last year and like the the how much that one skew does in Costco right but I mean, this is going towards a billion dollar skew over the next couple of years. Um, and Taylor, I know we're going to lose you first. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on like this single skew type of business, like obviously inside of a bigger corporation of like a Fairlife or Uncrustable and just kind of get your thoughts on the growth trajectory and and kind of what you've, how, how well it's performed here recently. I mean, I think it makes sense to me. I mean, like why knock what's working? And I always feel like, especially from what I see and obviously like you know you you two see it from like a different lens but I feel like so many people are trying to do too many things at once like just double down on what's working like if if, if they have things that work whether it's uncrustables or whatever like just keep just keep your focus on like what people are interested in I don't really you know like just this concept of like trying to always continually create new products innovate expand portfolios like I personally I've said this many times over like I don't think that's the most strategic way of doing business so I think it makes sense like listen to your audience see where the sales are and just like keep doubling down on that and like it doesn't mean that you can't innovate and create like new iterations or LTOs of things but like I look you know me and things like Uncrustables I think they fit very much in my wheelhouse of food that I have always enjoyed and will always enjoy and so I mean, I see that there are other things that are out there that people are trying to create new versions of it and stuff like that. And that's fine. Um, but I think to me, this makes a ton of sense is just to like hone in on what's working. And even if it's just one SKU, like just that makes even more sense. They could allocate more funds towards just like honing in on their consumers, doing more marketing, more partnerships and stuff without having to spend as much money on development of new products if they have something that seems to work and has always worked and continues to work well. So yeah, I'm a huge fan. I think you can tell the success of a SKU when like other companies are are spun up to go after that SKU. You see, obviously, the success of Chubby, and I think Bobby Bobo has just uh, launched actually a PB and J SKU, and I feel like Bobo's has so many SKUs now. Um, but yeah, it's like, I mean, you can tell kind of the power of that one SKU based on just like how many startups are spinning off to go after that. Um, CJ, what were your thoughts on on kind of just like putting some numbers towards? Yeah, it both doesn't surprise me and impresses me. Um, and like, like as an interesting link back to 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 partner slate, like if I were a co-packer right now, I would be trying to add this capability and 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 out looking for for other customers. I, I, it's, it's something that's really interesting is. You know, that just kind of dawned on me on this conversation. So thank you, Cam. Like there's a different way to play stuff like like the 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 success of Smuckers. And it doesn't have to be finding another brand and adding all the execution risk if you can't fully get there or the price just isn't right. Um, you can also say, okay, fine, that like there there are clearly machines out there that can do this, and that is the bottleneck. That's what's making this hard um and and try and play it that way which is um something i'm going to go try and learn about because it's undeniable that that peanut butter and jelly is working and it's undeniable that there's a better for you trend like and it seems like the most obvious place a challenger brand should pop up for sure well we're gonna have a longer episode uh next week we're gonna have an awesome guest we'll do our longer format and be back to an hour-long episode 
Uh, CJ Taylor, thanks so much for uh, yeah. joining.